0: Please keep in mind that past performance is not indicative of future performance. Welcome to this episode of the Australian Investors Podcast, where I'm joined by Dr. Anirban Mahanty from Seven Investing. We're talking results from companies like Altium, Zoom, CrowdStrike, Pointera, Stoneco, and Unity. Amongst other things, we also answer a listener question from Julian, who asks, How do you calculate free cash flow for a company like Jumbo Interactive, which is an ASX-listed software and lotteries business? Also in this very special episode, our company, Rask Australia, gives away $2,500 to a charity known as The Life You Can Save, you may remember or know of The Life You Can Save as the charity research organization run by Peter Singer. If you watch the video version of this podcast, you'll see what we do on the website, how to donate to such a great and important cause started by an Australian. It doesn't take too much money to save a life globally, and I hope our $2,500 donation can be the start of something really meaningful from our community. So if you're into effective giving or charitable donations, I encourage you to jump on the thelifeyoucansave.org au or just org if you're a global listener as always i hope you enjoy this episode of the australian investors podcast g'day mate how you been g'day man how i'm great how are you very good thank you very good the sun is shining here in melbourne it looks like it is up in sydney and it's 22 degrees
1: shiny. spring is here so oh, well well again sydney beats melbourne we are oh. 25
0: uh. <laughs>
1: what would be your perfect temperature? You know, not a degree more than 25. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I really don't like too hot and I don't like too cold. So I actually really like Sydney weather for that reason is that most of the time it's pretty good. Mm.
0: Yeah. I think you guys are often, you know, three to four degrees warmer than us, which I do get jealous of regularly. Um, And also having the beaches in the city makes a big difference, but I'll take 22 because it's been, that's, that's a pretty nice change. And I think if it's if it's 25, right, you can go in the sun, you can get warm, but you can yes. also be cool if you're inside. So it's a yes. perfect, perfect balance. We've probably got people listening to this from tropical northern Queensland, Darwin, overseas, that are in much warmer, more humid environments. And, um, yeah, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it, to be <laughs> honest. So, I'm,
1: not, I'm not a fan of humidity. Actually, that's one of the things, you know, if you go to Canes and places like that, in the summer, it's kind of tough. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 And yeah. I, I guess for those people who live there, though, they get used to it, right?
0: Yeah. That's it. Whereas they probably come down here and it's, at least in Melbourne, you know, seven degrees or whatever, in winter, five degrees. And they're thinking, how do you do this? And we're think, looking up at them saying, how do you do that? Um,
1: yeah. So do, do you think, you know, we can do a tangent, another tangent? Or I have a little story to tell. So I went to Bali once hmm. and, you know, landed there. I see all these people wearing full pants and full shirt colorful they're not sweating and I'm wearing basically stuff that people wear to the swimming pool and I'm completely drenched <laughs> <laughs> and for my entire stay I was just always drenched in sweat it was that and I just looked at all the locals and said, "How how are you doing it? How does your body pores adapt adapt to this thing?" But they were completely fine wearing full sleeves and full pants, and you know, hey, the body's amazing.
0: Yeah, it is. And we're just we maybe built for the southern for the southern states. Uh, you and I. I know no, I definitely am. You know, I have to look one look at my skin and realize that I don't see a lot of sun. So, um, anyway, mate, we've, we've just in here in Australia, we've just capped off our reporting season, which is always a bit of a relief for investors that take a close look at all the reports. And we've just jumped onto Twitter earlier today and, and had a bit of a chat to people who have requested some topics. So we're going to be talking about what you've been working on. What I've been working on, I'm actually going to share my screen quickly. Then we're going to dive into some companies. It looks like we've got about six or seven companies to talk to today.
1: Firstly, though, as always, if people do want to reach out to you, how can they find you? Well, Twitter is the best place. That's the only social media I like to use. So just reach me out at 7amahanty at and, yeah. You know, Come and say good day. Come and talk to us. Ask questions. If you are actually ask me a question, I would probably give you an answer. You can even DM me there. And sometimes <laughs> I actually do respond to the DMs if you ask me nicely. Um, <laughs> right. And yeah. And so especially if it's and, an interesting company, right? If it's an interesting company, sometimes, you know, sometimes people say, hey, do you know anything about this? And, and you know, they add a little prelude and sometimes I go and look at it and it looks interesting and I give them what I, you know, what I thought about it. And, you know, you know it's just, general thoughts that people can utilize. Yeah. How about you? How are they going to reach out to you? Uh, same way
0: at Owen Rask on Twitter. So yeah, we we're having a bit of fun with this. We try and crowdsource as much as we can. We've got some questions that have come through uh, and it's just good. I actually, I like Twitter when it's just like an open kind of honest discussion about companies. I think it's just a really, really good resource because there's so many smart people on there. You just got to sometimes filter through the negativity. there's often, you know, people pushing their own, talking their book, so to speak. And so yep. once you get past that, um, it's actually a pretty good place to learn um, about all different types of topics, not just finance. So definitely jump on to twitter.com. Um, we'll have the, the the links there in the show notes too. And as always, you can watch this on, on YouTube if you're so inclined. We're going to probably share our screens a little bit today. So uh-huh. jump on there and, and um, say good day too. Mate, one thing that I know for a fact. Is that the first of every month is actually a very special time in your calendar and in the calendar of seven investing. Mm-hmm. So, and this is um, the first, when we say the first, we mean US time, if I'm not mistaken. That's right, Eastern time. <laughs> Eastern
1: time. So, before markets in the US open. That's yeah. right. So seven investing, so you know, it's so. Just so, sometimes people ask me this, and I'll just clarify. So seven investing basically recommends stock ideas, seven stocks each month from seven advisors, covering a range of you know risk reward, um, you know paradigms or you know risk reward ranges, yeah. and th- those recommendations come out uh, you know before market open on the first of each month. And yeah, we put them on our scorecard. We then, you know, buy the stock actually, you know, we actually physically buy those stocks uh, on our own um, in in the 7investings name. And yeah, so uh, the new set is going to come out um, in a few hours time. And uh, yeah, it's uh, looking exciting. Again, I'm quite excited about uh, my pick, which uh, how how do I do give you a teaser? So just looking into, yeah. It's on, Twitter, it's on Twitter.
0: So we so were recording this on the 1st of September, but yes. the podcast won't go out until Saturday. But I know that, and that's so it's Wednesday to Saturday, um, You on the 7investing to Twitter, so at 7investing, there's actually like a sneak peek at some yes. of the industries, the risk levels and yes. the types of companies, <laughs> like industries. And I can see here, uh, Matt's got entertainment, Simon's in healthcare tech. Max healthcare tech, you're in enterprise software. Um, you've given it moderate risk and it's a large cap. So there's three things. There's three teasers. Enterprise software.
1: Right. Yes. Moderate risk and large moderate cap. risk and large cap. Now, large cap in the US means uh, typically larger than 10 um, uh, billion in market cap. Now, I, I have always contested that, that you know, in, in from a US 10, that's actually more like a mid cap, but that's aside, mm. we, we stick with, you know, uh, with what is large cap. Yeah, but this is an interesting company. It plays into an area uh, which is very, very important, but people would not associate this company with that particular area. And I, I think that's the, or let me, put it, I'll, I'll, I'll tease out. It's in, in the cybersecurity space. And, Ooh. and People do not think of this as a cybersecurity stock, um, but I think it's a fantastic cybersecurity play interesting. Uh, for the for the long run. So, yeah, and I personally own the stock. So,
0: and you did come out with a cybersecurity report last week, which I did put on Twitter again. Yes, there's a free report last week. So interesting, interesting. Seems you've been doing a bit of work in this field.
1: I yeah, I mean, the cybersecurity. So so the cybersecurity report. I'll just you know make this quick. Everyone should read it because I spent a lot of time uh, writing it and it's free. <laughs> so well, it's a, you, know, you don't have anything to lose uh, other than I guess giving up your email address, but it's free. And it really gives you, I think a good view into uh, what's happening in the cybersecurity space. You know, here's, the, here's, I'll give you one stat. The amount of economic loss caused by cyber threats in 2021 is gonna hit 6 trillion, okay? $6 trillion, right? That's double of what it was in 2015, I believe, when it was $3 trillion. Yeah, right. So, this is, this is an issue for governments, organizations, enterprises of all sizes, you know, you and I, everyone. So, cybersecurity is a big deal, and there's a big paradigm shift happening. And that's what this report is about.
0: We've actually, so the RAS websites have actually been taken down, th- I think, three times now. Now, get this, the first time was when I ever after years <laughs> took a day off from work and I was on a plane. I was on a plane to Vietnam and the, oh. I was at Melbourne Airport in the International Lounge taking off to go to um, Ho Chi Minh City. Hmm. And as I was taking off, the websites got brought down by a, um, a DDoS attack and brought the websites yes. down. And oh, it was just a nightmare. So it's actually, it's, it's like that old Peter Lynch thing. Yes, Peter Lynch goes away from the market and it crashes, like he has a holiday. <laughs> For me, I go away from the business and it gets hacked. So <laughs> so I know this I know this real
1: yeah, this is a real deal and you had you got hit by I guess Morpheus law, right? You know, you're leaving and that's the day you get hit by uh, a cyber attack. You know, here's the thing, right? If people think that cyber attack happens to, you know, the Australian government's website or, you know, the Medicare website it does those are very high value targets because you know you get a lot of attention but it hits almost everything and for some people cyber attack is basically just fun mm. <laughs> it shouldn't be fun but it's like okay i hacked into stuff right and um you know and causes real damage right i mean for people who wanted to access Rask on that day couldn't until the site basically came back up right so
0: that's it yeah, yeah. so one of the things that so the rec is coming out or it's just come out by the time people listen to this. It's just come out. So you can get that by heading to seveninvesting.com forward slash subscribe. But we, what we did was we asked for some ideas. I don't know. Is, is this something that we're going to tackle today, mate? Um, Outside Capital on Twitter asked on for your take on strategic elements. I don't know if that's something you want to tackle no, today. Sh-
1: or- no. So we, we said we're going to talk. Well, I need to look into it to tackle it so we will do it maybe in the next episode right so okay. again if people give ideas you know we're not going to you're not junking your ideas by any by any means but sometimes if you ask us on the day we might not know about it because we don't know about everything at least i don't know about everything um and i know so very few little... things just for disclosure <laughs> <laughs> so so we take a pass on it and i'll have a look and we'll talk about it next time we, we have a full slate today right and yeah. i know that you wanted to talk about something about rask as well yeah. Uh, some giveaway give stuff. So I'm keen to hear about the giveaway stuff as well.
0: Yeah, sure. So um, before we in, uh, get to this issue, I might actually try and just, I'm just going to try and share my screen. I think I can. So <laughs> I'm going to jump on, just jump on to, you'll be able to see my Twitter page here. But one thing that we did um, last year was for our Rask Invest service, which is our membership service. We actually asked our community if, they would want to put their name up and pick a stock. And we would put 500 hypothetical dollars into this stock. So all of our members, hundreds of members picked a stock. And at the end of one year, which just so happened to be last week, we would donate up to what the, the value of that invest that investment, that hypothetical money up to $2,500. So meaning that if someone 5X to their money with one pick, we would donate the full two and a half thousand dollars. And then they would get prizes like free memberships and all that sort of stuff. And there was a, you know, the top four got awards. Well, I'm so I'm going to say this proudly that one of our members Brant, picked a company called Lake resources. And I hope you don't mind me giving you a shout out Um, Lake resources in the last year, according to Google here on my screen is up 1800%. I think he's 17 X his money from the time of the pick to the time we did the, the results so it was it was brand and then there were some wonderful additions in there but i think it was a like brand a bit of blue sky and then the rest of us mere mortals but um <laughs> what this means is that um we donated two and a half thousand dollars and i did this just before we came on air because i didn't want to just release the Ras groups credit card to everyone but um we donated two and a half thousand dollars to the life you can save and I'm just here on the website. We've had Peter Singer on the, the show before, and there are different options that you can do. The Life You Can Save was set up effectively to give effectively. So it analyzes charities for effective giving. And one of the really interesting things that I didn't know until last week when we were thinking about this is you can actually just come on their website and you can just select which option you want. Um, in this case, I selected to give to the 90, 90 10 fund. 10% going to the life you can save is in the organization itself that does all the research and the other 90 went to the charities themselves. And it only takes $2 to save a life, which is incredible. That's a, that's for the the net for malaria to stop malaria spreading. But the reality is by the time it goes into shipping and cargo and freight and gets organized, it can cost a few thousand dollars. So I, I don't want to, I don't know exactly what the stat was, but when Peter was on the podcast, I think it's a few thousand dollars to effectively save a life. And so we've donated two and a half thousand dollars to the life you can save. And I don't say this to butter my own bread. I say this because I hope that other investors that are listening to this will go and donate. Because if we can get to $5,000 US, I think that is the level to save a life. So if you are out there and you do want to give to a great charity or you want to give regularly, you can head to the lifeyoucansave.org.au and um, that's for the Australian website. And you can give. And this is a great way to do it. It's really effective because you know it's going to charities that do what they say. Uh, and it it's a really interesting thing. So last time we are on the, just so you know, mate, last time we had Peter Singer on the podcast, one of our members or one of our listeners, I think it was ten dollars or $15,000 they donated. And that donation actually made it into the annual report for The Life You Can Save as one of the most interesting gifts for the year so you know wonderful cause um in my opinion that you can give to and thank you brant for being such a great stock picker and going up 17x in one year and doing this and allowing us to donate this money so wonderful um in a time like now i think it's extra important so that was my little pitch for a life you can save in the middle of a podcast The other thing that we've been working on recently is um, we've been doing a lot of live sessions. I know you guys do this, which is super cool, which, you know, some really smart heads over at Seven Investing coming together, um, which is really, really powerful. Um, The team you guys have is unbelievable. But yeah, we've been doing some, a lot of, you know, live sessions for our members. And the other thing that we've been, we've talked about off air, you and I just quickly was that ETFs can be an effective way to get exposure to markets. So whether you're investing in, Asia, you're investing, which we spoke about a few weeks ago, or you're investing in Europe or wherever, some markets that you might not have the time or the inclination to go and research yourself, ETFs could be an effective way to do that. So um, that's what I've been working on the last few weeks, mate.
1: Now. Yeah, I'm a big fan of ETFs. You know, one of the things that I think ETFs are underrated in the sense that, you know, we we love uh, picking stocks, right? So for Mm. those of us who love picking stocks, uh, we're probably not going to pick ETFs for our portfolios, right? Mm. But a lot of people, maybe they don't want to pick stocks, right? But they should still invest, right? And if they want to invest, one of the ways you could do it is via ETFs. And you you know, you you know, can actually, given the gamut of stuff that's available today on, on ETFs, you can actually build a market-beating portfolio. You can build a growth portfolio. You can pretty much build any different type of portfolio. Yes, you don't have that kind of control, but you can still build it. And with you know, relatively less effort, um, still get great results, still get investment, still get the benefits of compounding. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of ETFs. And, you know, and for many people, maybe ETFs are core, right? I mean, it can be a core. And then, you know, you sort of build mm. your interest and you build portfolio on top of it. Over time, maybe you divest your ETF. But again, you know instead of term deposits, <laughs> which don't pay anything if, at, you know, if, the, if that's to you, then, you know, consider ETFs, definitely, a, you know, you get diversification mm-hmm. at one shot. And as you said, you know, you can invest in Asia, you can invest in America and that's just country trends. You can invest in technology, you can invest in biotech, you can mm-hmm. do it, so many different things. Right. And yeah,
0: I think it's a and great it, way to build that core to your point.
1: Yeah. And, and it's a very powerful tool. And so one of the actually most powerful inventions, I guess, in finance, right? Usually products, if you think of products as, you know, um, products that basically assimilate other things <laughs> and build together something as, you know, they're generally not good products. No, they're not. <laughs> not. But this, uh, you know, this is an exception. You know, you take multiple things and you actually build something that's kind of useful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It just makes it easy to put things together, just building blocks of a portfolio. So yeah, fantastic. Um, Maybe we can, if you have any questions around that, you can ask us uh, on Twitter and we'll come back to do an episode on those. Um, Okay, mate. So we've got some, we've got some companies here. I think the last week's, the last, the format from last week was a bit of a hit, but what we might do is we might just jump through some companies and we've got a good skew here towards U.S. companies, which I'm really excited about. Um, number two in particular is the one that I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on. But maybe to kick things off, what we'll do is we'll talk about a company called Altium. So Altium is a company. I I,
1: I love when people talk about Altium.
0: Oh yes, yes. Okay, here <laughs> Please we go. go ahead. Okay, here we go. Um, Altium came out. So oh, what does Altium do? Altium is a software company that does it, its software is used to design printed circuit boards. So You know, this is my iPhone here. Um, Inside this, there's going to be effectively a motherboard or some type of PCB, a printed circuit board. And basically, um, Altium software allows engineers and designers to design circuit boards. And it's actually got other software that now is in that ecosystem that even allows them to do things like search for parts and order parts and get costs for whatever they're designing. And then also on the other side, they're trying to push down the uh, downstream into going into, or maybe upstream, downstream, don't know how you want to think about it, but in terms of getting onto the manufacturing floor. So they're trying to bridge that gap between design and automation, and then all the way onto the manufacturing floor. Now Altium came out with its results. It was the one which you will know if you're a regular listener of the show, did get a takeover offer for $38.50. And I'm looking at the share price now, and the shares are $29.57. Just a few few months later, so it came out uh, with the result last week. uh, This week, shares dropped, and revenue was up one percent, which not great for a company that's supposedly a growth company. Um, Annualized recurring revenue. Um, I think this is percent growth of ARR of 28, percent and that's because they're moving into more subscriptions for their Altium designer, um, which is great. If we come down the the number the number one slide for Altium for many analysts for a long time has been the um, the flight path the flight path. Path to $500 million. Um, Altium does like to use a few buzzwords. I don't know if Flight Path is a phrase that it's a bit of a buzzword, but it <laughs> does make sense. It's what a lot of analysts use. And they have retreated from their guidance by about a year. And they analysts did pick up that they dropped some margin um, expectations there too. So ultimately, what if you go back to the episode we did previously, my opinion of Altium is that it's a good company, at least here in Australia. It's a strong contender, you know, for tech portfolios. If Cadence Systems was on the ASX or if, you know, Mentor Graphics wasn't part of Siemens, you might be inclined to buy some of that as well to capture this kind of connected manufacturing thematic. But in Australia, Altium is a really interesting business. We think it's worth a little bit more. As value, our valuation is a little bit more than the current share price. You know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Maybe they should have taken the offer. Maybe we should have sold. Um, that's probably the way to, it's probably, you know, fault of mine, but LTeam's teams, an interesting business, definitely one for your watch list. If you're an Australian investor,
1: that's all I got, mate. I, I mean, we could go into more, but well, we've got a few companies. No, I was only, only going to say that they, the results were unaudited. Oh yes.
0: Yes. Unaudited. <laughs> that's, is, that's the
1: most interesting part. I thought. <laughs> oh yeah. And they,
0: I believe I could be mistaken, could be mistaken hmm. but I believe they were going to come out at the beginning of the month with results said, no, 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 we'll come out at the end of the month. And then at the end of the month still didn't have audited results, but they weren't alone there are a few other companies that come out with unaudited results. A lot of small caps, um, a Dubber, which is another company that's, that was, if you look at that report, like uh, that was my last report for the reporting season. So I think it was a bit fried by the end of the month, but I was thinking, wait, this, this can't be right. Um, anyway, so um, there were a few companies that come out with these results. And I think a lot of them have struggled that have made acquisitions or divestments. So in the case of Altium, they've divested tasking, which is um, automotive part of their business. So, Maybe we can give them some leeway. I think under ASX relief and ASIC relief, they've got to still give us the ordered results within a month. And they've got to announce if there is a material change that is found between now and then. So watch this space. Number
1: two, what is number two? That was uh, a bit of an interesting one. What's number two? Well, number two on the company list is we've got Zoom, which is what we are using right now to record this show. Yes, we are indeed. <laughs> so um, Zoom, as you all know, is uh, basically a teleconferencing, video conferencing software. Um, and, it, you know, you can also, actually you can have Zoom phones just like you can have mm. Cisco phones. Um, yeah, so it's a basically a telco, it's it's, an, it's a comms company, communications company. It's an immensely uh, profitable company. Well, so yeah, I, I-, I was surprised how much free cash flow this thing <laughs> Produces. This this thing is a
0: incredible. is an is,
1: is, is an incredible. So I'll share a screen here, um, and we'll, we'll go from there. Okay, mm-hmm. let's do that. Mm-hmm. So look at this slide here and look at this growth numbers. Okay, so people were unhappy that the stock actually fell after hours, and I think in the, or, or doing real trading actually fell by 16%, something like that. That's because the growth was only 54% to a quarterly revenue of only a billion dollars. Um, <laughs> um, people are unhappy with 54% growth that takes you to a billion dollars. I don't know what they're gonna make them happy with. This comes again, it's worthwhile remembering that this comes on the back of this. A This is lapping at 355% growth, 355% growth that they got during COVID. So this is basically growth at huge scale. And that 355 was on top of 96, right? And that's what the company is saying. Like, just this is phenomenal growth. Like, they're winning big time. And look at that expansion of those customers that are paying a lot of money with them, right? Huge. Then this this is another number that I really like looking at, 130%. Dollar-based expansion. So basically customers that stuck around with them for over a year. Um, they are now spending 30% more this year. This is 13th consecutive quarter. 13 definitely spending more than
0: 130% of what I spent last year. I can tell you that much.
1: Yeah. So um, yeah, so the, it is just unbelievably. Re, this is unbelievable. This is free cash flow monster. Okay, look at the op- operating margin here. 42% is the operating margin. If you look at it, it's, it's just, this is, yeah so again, I, I guess I, I can't find any fault. Maybe the valuation is rich, like many other things that are growing at this scale and this quickly. Um, um, the, the I guess the only thing I can say about Zoom, that, that and you can constitute that, and I personally actually do not hold Zoom shares, I'll make that clear. um is and I've always thought that this space is going to be hyper competitive. There's mm. you know there's Microsoft Teams. There's you know if Apple is launching Facetime's mm. variant, which is basically going to be looking like Zoom and actually enabling people to have these calls through the web. So basically, only one person needs to have um, you know an Apple product, and everybody else could be on a different product and they'll be fine. So it's, it's very competitive, but I think this is very sticky, right? So those companies that have gotten used to using this are not going to get rid of it. They're going to expand usage over time. Mm. I think Zoom can continue, uh, you know, investing. So that's the growth story, and you know, they they can get into AR and VR as they evolve over time to give you a more immersive experience of tel, uh, you know, tele, telecons uh, or video cons over time. So I, I think as long as if they can, you know, continue innovating, I think they will continue winning. the, the just the margins are unbelievably good. The growth is just great.
0: I got to say, like, so Zoom is. For for us, because we do a lot of podcasts, right? Both you and I do a lot of podcasts, and um, Zoom is easier. It's more readily accepted. It's now a verb, I guess. Let's get on a Zoom, but it is less convenient if you're doing internal comms. So, you know, if you're on Google, you set a Google Calendar invite. You can automatically just click the Meet link and you go straight there. So that, or if you're using Slack, you just Slack each other with a huddle or a video. Or if you're on Teams, you just hit each other up with the Teams. So. That's interesting. And I, I often, that was always m- my concern around, you know, where, where to from here for Zoom. And yes. I, I think, uh, but that, that said, the, mu- the multiple that you actually pay for shares, I'm just looking in the ticket terminal actually come way down and the company is extremely, you know, profitable. And I didn't realize how profitable it was. So I know it made an acquisition recently too, I, I believe.
1: Yeah. So they, they bought the contact center um, yeah. company called Fiverr. Like, look, I think everything that you say is, is actually right, right? Now I'll put, I'd say that I think Microsoft has that advantage of, you know, having teams and everything integrated. Actually, one of the things, the trick, I think that um, Zoom missed was to actually merge with Slack. Actually, a merger with Slack would have created a killer yeah. combo. Yeah. Would have. And, and and, and I think that's where the Microsoft has an advantage. Microsoft has another advantage, which people don't realize being the original enterprise software company, mm-hmm. right? So um, again, yeah. I'm going to maybe nitty gritty technical details, Well, a lot of companies have their directories are all Microsoft Exchange. So basically your directory or your source of yeah. truth of who is employed, who is not is Microsoft Exchange. <laughs> <laughs> right so when you have that software and then you have got of course you know um uh, microsoft 360 or microsoft you know basically cloud offerings it gives you a door a foot you basically have a foot in the door in terms of getting in and selling other things so that's their biggest advantage and and yeah then that's a disadvantage i guess that um, uh, these guys have again i just don't understand why you know you know slack and this seemed like like a natural combo um but yeah,
0: yeah. Well, Salesforce got to it first. So. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Another great, another great company. <laughs>
0: another great company, which we talked about last week. So. Yes. Jump back on the, on the podcast um, archives to see that one. Um, what do we have next? The next company we have is Jumbo Interactive. And actually, instead of going through the results, what I'm actually going to do is answer. We're going to take a look at a quick question. You're like, you said to me before we jumped on that, uh, you're glad I'm looking at this one. So this is a great question. It comes from Julian. Says, with reporting season out, I have been reading an array of RASC articles and Jumbo Interactive was covered by Lachlan. Great work, Lachlan. On the annual statement, uh, JIN, J I N, Jumbo Interactive boasts a free cash flow of $28.6 million, excluding acquisitions and investments into business and strategic assets. When I look into the cash flow statement, it states that their free cash flow is negative million, one two million. This would imply that the acquisitions and investments, which should be taken into account when stating free cash flow, amounted to $37 million. Looking at the cash flow statement, I can't seem to figure out where this is. And more importantly, how much emphasis should people put into Jin's statement that uh, free cash flow is 28.6 million? Is that a marketing gimmick? Uh, I've been an avid listener to the Australian Investing podcast and a member of our services. Wonderful, Julian. It would be amazing if you could shed some light into this. So I'm actually, I don't know if we can see this, but um, here we go. So it looks like I always find it a really um, easy proxy for free cash flow, and this is kind of a sanity check that we had to on ourselves this week, is instead of doing your free cash flow calculation straight from um, EBIT or net profit and going to NOPAT for those who like to get into the weeds, which is net operating profit up to tax. As a rule of thumb, what I often like to do is just take the net operating cash flows, this line item here that we can see, it's like the top third. It's at the bottom of the top third, if you can imagine that. And then you can subtract anything that you think is, I guess, growth related in the net cash outflows from investing activity. So that next third down. And so here we can see $38 million, and I, uh, $35 million. And I would less the payments for other intangibles, which is $6.4 million to get a rule of thumb on free cash flow. I'm not saying this is perfect, but I'm just saying this is kind of what I would look at to eyeball it. There was a fifteen million dollar payment here for t- the Tabcorp extension fee, intangible asset. Um, so Jumbo Interactive is a software developer for gaming. Just so for those of you who don't know, listed in Australia, J I N is the ticket code. And so I would look at this and say that the free cash flow on a normalized basis is around six, uh, is around thirty five minus six point four million, so around that twenty eight million dollar mark. Now you might be saying, well, why don't you include that fifteen million dollars in there? That fifteen million million that goes to Tabcorp. My answer to that question is that it's not repeating. It's not recurring. So I'm just trying to get a pulse check on the actual core business. I'd have to know more about the company to exactly to know exactly whether this should be included or not. But as a rough rule of thumb, Julian, I would take net operating cash flows, less anything that I thought was you know a normalized part of the, the spending to get that kind of core business. Business as usual, free cash flow is what I would value it at. Um, because things like this $15 million can throw your free cash flow models way out of whack if you're not careful. Um, I don't know if you have anything to add on that, but that would probably be my yeah, really quick I advice. That,
1: I think that's spot on. The only thing I was going to say is that if the tab corp thing, for example, is happening every 10 years, then it absolutely makes sense. Another thing you could do is you could just, you know, you could basically say it's 30. 30- 35 instead of, you know, if you want to include it, you basically say, well, I normalize it over 10 years and depreciate it over 10 years. And basically I just take out, you know, 1.5. The same thing actually with the other intangible asset too, right? I mean, if it is an acquisition, then mm. what you want to look at is how frequently are they doing it. If, you know, my, my rule of thumb is if they make an acquisition every year, I'm going to take it out. Yep. <laughs> if they make an acquisition every few years, five years, then I just sort of look at the ballpark figure and I'll just take the average out. Yeah, <laughs> but but if somebody is a is a is a spiritual inhabitant. <laughs> acquirer, then I take it out because their free cash flow is never going to bump up because they're going to keep acquiring. So yeah, uh, they need to generate the free cash flow or the cash from operations has to actually make up more than that.
0: Yep. and and that's totally the way I think about it too. There, uh, there are some rules, you know, if you go into CFA textbooks, if you go into like university curriculum, there are rules for these things. Sometimes it just comes back to imagining in a normal year, what would this business make in cash flow, and yep. then that's the way I think about it. I think that's the way you should think about it is in a normal year. And if they they do need to pay for these things every year, well, then that's a normal <laughs> year. <take> it <laughs> so, so consider that, but that's a great question, Julie, because people do get this and working capital are the two places where people get stuck. So great question. A bit technical for those of you that are listening, but rule of thumb, operating net operating cash flows, and then subtract um, anything that's kind of usual business from the investing
1: cash flows. Okay. That was. I'm. I'm going to give a hat tip to that question. I mean, that's a great question to ask. And you know, somebody who's really wanting Mm -hmm. to actually figure out how investing works. So I love that. Great question. Yep.
0: Yep. Wonderful question. Um, Okay. The the next one, which is interesting, that you mentioned cybersecurity earlier on, mate, Mm
1: because now you're going to go back into it with CrowdStrike. Oh yes, um, yeah. So CrowdStrike was again. So CrowdStrike basically is what people call the endpoint protection software provider. What that basically means is endpoints are devices that people use for their day to day work, which might be like our you know um, PCs or you know MacBooks or laptops and devices like that, um, your smartphones, and you want to protect them. How do you protect them? Well, you could run a software excuse me, provided by uh, CrowdStrike. And mm-hmm. the same software runs on hundreds and thousands of other devices. All of those, you know, uh, softwares basically collaborate with each other, which basically means that if there is a threat detected at say my machine, then Owen's machine is informed, you know, so therefore you don't get affected, I guess, by the same thing as I do. Can we again share my screen here Perfect. very, quick, very quickly? Let's do a share screen and the CrowdStrike. And I love their, um, <laughs> I love their. Um, their Falcon. slides, yeah, the Falcon and the slides. I like the color that they do. Okay, so this is. Uh, I'm just going to show you the numbers here. So I've just described what they do. The Endpoint uh, Protection System. It's basically a platform, and there's a, you know there's a bit of a data, I guess, n- data network effects going on. So you know more data helps them actually be more agile and build better AI models, which again helps them sort of you know tackle what people call the zero day attacks, right? So attacks that you've never seen before, or you know signatures that you've never uh-huh. seen before you're able to identify them. But um, look at this, A customer, you know, subscription growth, 81% year over year growth to 13,000. Mm. This is phenomenal. 64 of the Fortune 100, the 100 of the largest uh, Fortune 100 companies, uh, use them 200, and about roughly half of Fortune 500 use them. Mm. And let's forget that, but let's look at some, you know they have a huge TAM they they expect the TAM to be about 44 billion right now but if you sort of increase and look at some of the other things that they do its the TAM is really really large uh probably in the hundreds of billions of dollars range but Look at that ARR growth in this chart, right? I mean, if you look at the ARR growth, the ARR growth, annual recurring re- revenue is growing at 70% and it's $1.3 billion. That's pretty phenomenal. I've not seen that kind of number. I mean, Zoom and CrowdStrike throw numbers that basically look like, oh, okay, <laughs> this is what growth at scale looks like. Uh, This is, again, a free cash flow monster. It generates a lot of free cash flow, uh, really fast-growing business, superb retention numbers. Again, as you see, they show the retention numbers here. Um, If you're interested in security, this company should be on your radar. Um, It's one of the companies, actually, I mentioned in my report um, mm-hmm. the, the cybersecurity report. Uh, in the in just Yeah, that actually. Yeah. yeah host, well, this is a company that, you know, you should really look at. It's a great, you know, again, high margin software business that is really, really doing really well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So if, if I was to use
0: CrowdStrike, would I, would I have it, is it installed? You say on the endpoint, does that mean it's installed? Yes. On like if I worked for a big enterprise, I would have it installed on my Mac here as well as having it, on the server that we have, or how does that work?
1: Yes, um, did I stop sharing? Yes, you've stopped sharing okay um yeah so yes so you basically install what's a lightweight agent so basically there's a lightweight agent that basically then talks with the cloud right so it's not like a heavyweight agent that's running on your system and so basically if you have software uh, devices provided by an enterprise and the enterprise basically would install it right so um you know if you have mac devices for example there's a way for the enterprise to manage all the mac devices uh so you know they have business management ways of managing business computers the same thing if you you know the endpoint you can actually you know, maybe be given a license by your enterprise to use it, and then you'd be able to collaborate and build, be part of the threat graph. So yes,
0: okay, interesting, yeah. Because um, you know, I don't, we don't use Windows anymore, but I remember having, uh, I think it was like Norton or a- the antiviruses, a- right? Yeah, yeah. AVG yeah. It's free yeah. on my computer. Yes. I thought when I, this is back in the day when you would start up your computer and it would take a few minutes, you could go make some um, two-minute noodles and then come back and it would still be just. winding up. Um, But then if you had some of these antivirus installed, it would take a long time to get the thing going even further. So um,
1: That's a great point, right? So what happened in the olden days and, you know, stuff doesn't work that way is that they basically downloaded in the olden day, the entire sort of, you know, every now and then the virus signature file was updated and that signature file was sent to your computer. And then your computer basically ran a scan on everything, <laughs> right? And remember, you know, five years ago, our computers didn't have the ability to process as much as they do today. And you just imagine running through this entire gamut and reading this So it's a really inefficient process. If you think about it, it was the best that you could do then. Now we sort of, you know, offload the processing requirements to the cloud, right? So you just have this mm-hmm. agent running um, and that's basically sending part of the information that it needs across to the cloud, right? And yeah, it's very interesting tech. Mm.
0: Fascinating. Okay. So the next company on my list is a company called Pointera, which is an Australian company, small cap company, even though it went up about 14X last year. Um, You can see here, it is still quite small. So just pay attention to the um, currencies too here. Uh, We can see that um, ACV was up 241% compared to 2020 at 9.8 million US dollars headcount. Uh, the number of staff in the business is now 29, up from 12. So it's increasing its sales force in the US, but also its engineering and customer support teams. Um, we can see it's got customer cash receipts of $4 million. So if ACV is a bit higher, you would expect revenue to go higher, and uh, cash receipts to go higher in the next year. Um, customer revenue, very close approximations, approximation to cash receipts, which is interesting conversion there. That's good. Of uh, $4 million. It's got $5 million of cash in the bank. Um, I think total cash flow was slightly negative if I come down to the cash flow statement. Yeah. So we can see here that net operating cash flows is a negative flow of 254000 and the investing cash flows, cash that was used to invest was 137000 So going backwards uh, on that metric. So Pointera is a business that does basically data management for huge data sets. So if you're a surveyor or you're a um, someone that is involved in sort of like geospatial data, you can use Pointera. I was actually chatting to the CEO, Ian Olson, not too long ago for our members. And he was saying in some instances, if they want to get a huge amount of data off-premise and into the cloud for analytics and whatever, they will actually, they, they'll actually work with someone like Amazon who in the AWS team, they have trucks, trucks that are actually um, basically giant hard drives on wheels. They'll go to the place where they need to get the data and they'll run cables into the building and then transfer off the local servers onto the AWS mobile hard drive, take it to the server farm and push it into the cloud from there. And this is that just gives you an idea of how big these um, data sets are, these image data, these LiDAR, this 3D. Uh, so basically the big, the, the game changer for Pointera going forward should be it's moving to this thing called Insight, which is, it's partnered with HERE, the, the global, um, what do you call it, automotive data company. And, and basically what it's trying to do is it's trying to not just allow people to analyze data, which is what it currently does um, in the cloud, these huge data sets, but also to automate a lot of the signals that come from that data. So things like um, if something has changed in the local council, send that push notification to someone in council to say, hey, there's graffiti on that chair when it was just surveyed, send someone out to go and fix it. Um, and so things like that, like straight away, you can go and do that. And I think that's, um, it's going to be a tough thing to crack in terms of that's a big market with some big players. Pointeria charges a subscription fee, which is reasonable. One of the concerns we had was around how does it scale its starter? You know, if, it's, if Amazon is charging it, let's say $1, uh 1.5 cents per gigabyte or something and it's got like you know terabytes upon terabytes of data how does that scale um and it's actually the big concern um in ian's mind actually was he said something interesting this is going back a little while he said that they spend forty thousand dollars a month on cloud hosting so not much but he said half of that is actually used up by the r&d team just iterating and testing things um and, le- and so that gives you an idea of like they're trying, they're spending more money on iterating than they are on actually doing it. It's a tiny company with a high valuation. So keep that in mind. But Pointero ASX3DP is the ticket code. That's I, was going to
1: quickly, I was going to quickly say that the valuation is half of what it was not too long ago. Oh, yeah. 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 It's, it's pulled, and this is the thing. Back it's not, some.
0: Yeah, it's 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 an impressive technology business, but I don't think it's as fast growing as what people thought it was or think it is. Um, they're still, you know, I think they're, they just brought on a chief marketing Well, they're trying to bring on a chief marketing officer. So they're still growing their actual team. So I yeah. think when we first recommended them, I think they had seven people in the team or something tiny. So it's like yeah. venture capital esque. so, yeah. um, keep that in mind too. Yeah. All right. It's like, a, it's like a startup. Yeah. It's like a startup. Now it's kind of evolving out of that to scale up, I guess. Scale up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we've got two more companies and these are both from you. Uh, One of them comes from a friend of the show, so we say. Two more to go, mate. What's the second last one?
1: The second last one is a Brazilian company called Stoneco. Um, Mm. And I'm going to share my screen. So Stoneco, I'll quickly describe what it is. So Stoneco, for those people in Australia who are familiar with it, um, is a bit like Tyro. Mm Um, so basically they provide, you know, the point of sales solutions to SMBs. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a bit like Square for those people who are not familiar with Square because of Afterpay. Um, it's a bit like Square because they've got software solutions that they sell. They do a bit of lending uh, to the customers uh, or the merchants uh, to help their businesses grow. It's a fast growing business. Uh, those people who are fans of Warren Buffett would know or may know that Warren Buffett has, or Warren Buffett's uh, Berkshire Hathaway has a small position actually, maybe not small, a uh, decent enough position, maybe 5% or some, something less than that in that mm-hmm. company. Um, yeah, I'll share my screen quickly to just make it interesting for people. And um, come on, fire up. And and you'll notice come on, that- it's Come got, on, Zoom. What are
0: you doing, Zoom? Yeah, Why yeah, do you share it, prices going down?
1: It, it's uh, and it's never my Apple's fault. No, Apple <laughs> couldn't do anything wrong. Apple couldn't do anything wrong. So, uh, if people have seen the Square uh, reports, they would notice that it's very much like that. You know, they have this is, machine yeah. sh- showing up um, here. So, I'm going to highlight something. I love the transparency these leaders have. Look at this starting, despite strong underlying growth in our core business and evolution of our strategic roadmap, we had some mixed results this quarter, primarily driven by challenges in our credit product. So they had some issues with the credit, product. they've actually stopped issuing credit right now because, and they believe that, you know, they have they, increased sort of the, uh, the potential for loss on some of the credit uh, credit that they had issued because of some issue with the Brazilian, um, you know, receivables registry system, um, you know, credit receive, you know, it was called mm-hmm. dynamic registration of credit receivables in Brazil. Again, I don't know the full details. I do own stock in this company and people will say, why don't you understand the full details? or well, sometimes you just can't, um, <laughs> which is the true fact. Um, but what I want to show you is what I think this company is really doing. Really Isn't well. it a great? Sorry, mate. Sorry. Did yes. it, isn't
0: it great when management open up with
1: something that yes. wasn't
0: positive? I love that. It's just straight I, up. Yeah, it was great, it's, but here we but go.
1: Yeah. That gives me so much more confidence in what they do. And, you know, it tells me that these guys are honest and really are running a great business. They want to run a great business, do it the right when they will be right by everyone, which is really, really important. I think. Um, mm-hmm. Look, So the results were, Great. <laughs> I mean, you know, the total payment volume was up. So, you know, uh, in Brazilian currency up uh, roughly 60%, you know, uh, total revenue was decreased because, again, uh, because they had this negative contribution from the credit or the, you know, basically the lost reserves that they're taking. their, their SMB client was up, um, you know, by 188,000. The take rate was down, but again, you know, if you exclude the credit issue, the take rate was actually up. Um, and I love this, you know, many companies wouldn't do this because most companies would report the net income line and the EPS line because on the gap basis it was profitable and, and look, would look great because it was up actually, you mm-hmm. know, significantly, but they actually report the adjusted numbers because that's what really matters in this case, right? Since so they had adjusted loss. Um Again, I, I think I thought everything was great. And the other thing I'll point out is uh, one graph that's interesting to look at. It's sort of what you know. Again, the, the growths were fantastic, even with respect to um, the first quarter, right? Mm. That's again important for many of the many of the things that they're doing with respect to first quarter. They had significant growth, which is really really interesting. Um, the company probably has uh, a long runway here to run, and. You know, again, there's going to be many ups and downs here. And this company, is, as I said, is never shy of trying things. And if it doesn't work out, not shy of changing strategy, which I think is really good, which is what you need to do if you kind of want to disrupt. Um, usual risks with this area is it's in Brazil. Um, you know, Brazil's uh, inflation can be a problem. Brazil's growth can be a problem. But Brazil is, again, emerging market with really high growth. It's got um what's interesting about Brazil is that you know they're pretty high up in the Gini Human Development Index. Um, it's mm. a large population, it's a big economy, and you know, so there's a lot of hope and potential there, right? Um, and this is a new age software company that's sort of trying to disrupt basically the incumbent banks, which is mm. sort of like Tyro, but just in a bigger market, uh, to think about. So, but, with, but, but with, with a lot of more software angle in their thing. I saw that it had, it added
0: 188,000. That was, it looked like it was net additions for small yes. and medium enterprise clients when they, and that takes them over a million. So yes. it's not, yeah, it's not a small business. If it's got a million terminals or gateways yes. in the market, that's, that's a meaningful business. So yeah. Fascinating. Um, okay, cool. So that's the second from last. We've actually got one. Did we, did we save the best for last? I guess we'll find out. Um, we will find out, and this one comes from Claude Walker, friend of the show has been on before, former colleague of both of us. Um, Claude said, can you look at unity with a Y (laughs) unity, uh, U N I T Y. Now, some of you might be thinking of unity with an I, which is an Australian telco kind of embedded telco company. This is a different business. So mate, can you tell us a little bit about unity and
1: anything you know about it? So, Unity is a software company that specializes in um, sort of providing framework for making video games, um, mm. and uh, you know they they provide sort of two frameworks for creating and developing games, where they basically compete with um, sort of compete with, with Fortnite uh, or what is it? Yeah, un- the Unreal Engine. So basically, yep. compete with with the Unreal Engine. Um, Then you have the Unity engine, and then of course have a framework for sort of hosting and managing and running Mm -hmm. games, you know, for like, you know, doing things like in-app purchases and things So you need frameworks for doing that. That's what Unity does. But I think a lot of people think of them as just a gaming company. What is worthwhile to think about here is that a lot of companies, you know, automotive companies, for example, would use Unity's software tools uh, for imagining, visualizing um, things. Right. And so you, it is also a lot of creative solutions that use unity. Right. And the other thing to remember is, I think if you are thinking about a world where, you know, the the term metaverse has, has now become uh, quite common uh, Mm. thanks to Facebook. Um, But if you're thinking about Look of a different world uh, order, right? Where you have things like um, augmented reality, virtual reality, and a different experience to, for example, watching television or watching sports and or interacting in video cons. Then all of those things could be impacted by software development that would need the basic frameworks that are provided by things like Unity. So I think Unity has. Um, again, a long runway there. Uh, I'm going to just share, um, I'll share that one. I'll share this one actually. This is a really
0: interesting business. It's kind of like at the picks and shovels level of the metaverse, And also exactly. I, I'm a big, well, I used to be, I still love my video games. And I tell you what, they're just so immersive. Right. And so <sighs> every year there's something new that comes and it just changes the paradigm it seems, but Companies like Unity and the Unreal Engine, the the creators behind those make all of those other games possible.
1: So I constantly think about these types of companies. Exactly. Things like Roblox, for (laughs) example, right? You know, they run on Unity. So what what was interesting with this this result was results was really strong. So, you know, nearly 50% year-over-year growth uh, for the quarterly revenue to about $270 which was, you know, so they've basically crossed the billion revenue run rate growing at about 48%. Let's say even they're growing at 35%. That's pretty significant. Um, and then, as I said, they operate sort of two divisions. One is called sort of the operate division, which basically operates or runs things for, you know, uh, various gamers. Um, and then the create, which is really the creator space. The create is actually the smaller component um, of the thing, but I think the create is the one which has, which has a lot of blue sky potential. And, you know, as they say, right, I mean, this, we think of this as metaverse and games and a few different companies, but, you know, games like Roblox to creation destinations like companies like NVIDIA, you know, uh, Unity and Adobe, all of these, you know, I already know it as Snapchat or Facebook, all of these things can be touched uh, by AR, VR, tech. And these guys are sort of at, you know, the picks and shovels really of, um, of that space. Uh, I thought, Really, really good results they had and, um, you know, strong guidance as far as, oh, their expansion rating, and this is something that I'd like to talk about, was 140%, right? Mm-hmm. So people are spending a lot more um, with with this business over time, which is, again, very significant, right? And the, and, and the other thing people need to really realize is maybe it's easier to change your video con system, but if you have developed a game and you're actually making revenue off that game from the app store, you're not going to change your underlying um, uh, provider, right? Because that is basically risking revenue. So you're not going to do that. This is a very sticky rev- revenue based business, right. And uh, strong business momentum, as they said, raised guidance, you know they expect a billion dollars in revenue. Um, that's about roughly I think they again, they usually like to you know um, you know under promise over and deliver. so they're saying slightly less than 40%, I think they'll do somewhere in that 40% range. It's an expensive stock. Uh, at roughly, what, 35 times, you know, trailing sales, 35, 36 times, actually forward guidance, which is basically six months out. Um, Expensive. But again, if you believe in the future, you know, there are a few different ways in which you can play. One way to play, easy way to play the AR, VR is to sort of assume that Apple is going to be the one that's leading the charge, right? And going to come up with a device that's going to change the game. And then th- there's going to be a bunch of other people who are going to build on top of that. And Unity is going to be one of them that's going to provide the, the picks and shovels. But yeah, I really like it. I've got a small position in this company uh, just because of the picks and shovels play. It's not a big one, largely because, again, like, I don't know, it, I, One of the things I always worry about in an area like this is if it's all about gaming, then I think a lot of power here goes to Apple Mm -hmm. in terms of what they do and what they bring and what they have in plan, right? Um, And how that their plans sit with other people's plans. Um, So Mm -hmm. I think, you know, that is really important to understand. Um, Yeah, they have not been impacted by Apple's privacy changes. So that's really good.
0: Have you have you ever read, um, seeing that Claude asks just to talk about this, have you ever read The Guerrilla Game? The, the book yes. The gorilla game? Yeah. I think uh-huh. that's a, a really neat, that framework for analyzing companies, investing in high technology companies, I think is the tagline for that. Mm-hmm. And it, um, it probably applies to this type of industry too. Like you said, there are multiple ways to play it. You might be able to get exposure to a bunch of these companies that are kind of leading the charge. And then consolidate after a few years. Once you know who's winning, that's um, consol- right. Consolidate into the leader.
1: So, that's so, just- so that's a, so you know my strategy. Actually, I love that, Owen. What you're basically suggesting build a basket. Yeah. yeah. So if you if you really like this, build a basket, and you know, like i, I say my basket is led by apple in this case and then i have some other peripheral players that i invest in mm. and i might increase my position in the peripheral players as i see them evolve. But I, I like their execution the execution so for this is for claude uh walker from the rich life mm. uh, or uh, uh for or rich a rich life guy. a yeah. rich life and uh yeah now shout out to him i think i really like the company got a position not a big one but again the company that's I think should be on your watch list because it's in a very exciting space.
0: Yeah. Especially if it can just expand beyond, like you said, expand beyond the, the gaming vertical and go into these other adjacencies, like yeah. you know, film and entertainment. We had, um, I did a special promo with um, Jerry Sackis, who's the founder of Playstudz Studios. He came on and uh, he was on the, for our members, he did an interview and then I shared it here on the podcast. And he, um, he was saying that the Mandalorian, which is the the D- Disney show, was shot with um, a screen behind it that was basically like a, and I think it was the Unreal Engine that was powering uh-huh. the screen behind it. So rather than using, you know, green screens and whatever, they actually just had a big screen run by the Unreal Engine and, and graphics behind it uh, to give that kind of, a, you know, where he's on different worlds or whatever. I'm not sure if you've seen the Mandalorian, but um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's fascinating to see where these companies could go and really exciting. So if you're a gamer chuck it on your watch list. Even if you're not, maybe chuck it on your watch list. If you like the Mandalorian, chuck it on your watch list.
1: It. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so so, I'm going to just quickly say, somebody said, talk about Disney. Uh, yeah. We have talked about Disney now. <laughs> there
0: you go. Yep. Mandalorian. It's a, it's hey, a Mandalorian. I, I would give it a, yeah. If, even if you're not a Star Wars fan, you know, my partner's mm. not a Star Wars fan and, and we got mm. into it. It's good. Mm. It's a good show. Um, great, mate. Uh, I think that takes us through all of the companies today. So if people wanted to, get their mitts on this enterprise software company that you, by the time this goes to life, you,
1: you would have just recommended, where can they go to get that? Well, go to www or go to seveninvesting.com forward slash subscribe and use the Rask code you get ten dollars off right yep. don't forget the code. Don't forget, <laughs> you, the code don't forget the code uh and for full disclosure owen actually doesn't make any money off it um we did offer him uh he kindly declined uh so uh, yeah uh, there's nothing in here for owen other than just you know yeah. some lo- love for us yeah. um uh, but yeah check it out if you're interested in, in the rec but yeah it's, it's going to be interesting
0: yep and there's the free report which will be in the show notes again so check that out like like anyone says, he wrote it. It's
1: free. It's free. So it's free. Read it, yeah. <laughs> please. <laughs> someone, <laughs> someone, please read it. I spent a lot of time and I drew some diagrams there. Yeah, that's so, it. That's the that's secret. That's, that's the it. secret.
0: We, um, some, uh, I can't remember who it was on Twitter. Was it Jason said, um, are we going to talk about our Apple watches? Just oh, going to yeah. say, <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we love the Apple we watches. Love Apple
1: watch. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's right here. So it's got to be brought up. Um. Uh, also, Apple is a neat story. Again, we're going to turn a tangent. So when I got this Apple Watch, I got the titanium version. And uh, um, my oh, yeah. boss or the, the boss of the boss at that time asked me, why did you buy the titanium version? I said, well, I really don't know. Well, I just bought it because <laughs> I thought titanium sounds cool. Well, now I have a reason why the titanium is cool. So my little you know German Shepherd puppy, when he goes and sees the watch on the charger, he likes to grab it. Oh well, it doesn't get scratched by the German Shepherd puppy's teeth. So I really like the titanium oh. version now. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> the titanium version actually has a use case. <laughs> Once
0: again, Apple has thought of everything. Um, and it, it was actually ter- Terry that mentioned it on Twitter. But um, yes, it's uh, it's a good it's a good recommendation. You know. Um, I think I said to you last time we're on that we've given one away on our other podcast, or we're giving one away. And um, yeah, it's just, it actually has made a difference. Like all the Rask team has one and it does make a difference during lockdown, just even being able to exercise and feel healthy and track your sleep. And so I'll
1: suggest the Rask team should wear two, one for the left hand, one for the right hand. It's good for me.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, I, I bet it is. It's probably not good for if if we provide those, but uh, my, my pocket might hurt. But uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a bit it's a high it's a high on the list of recommendations. Another thing is I did mention this. I am waiting. I've been waiting for about a month for the new iMac. It should be here any minute now. So, did you yeah. get the
1: twenty four inch screen? Yeah, I got the twenty four inch. Yeah, yeah. See, I, I,
0: I've got the bigger one here, the older one. Mm-hmm. I think it's twenty eight. Shout out to Ricky on Twitter, who is an Apple reseller. He, um, he got me this one. But um yeah, that the new one. Oh, um, I'm very excited because then I don't have, the camera quality is a lot better. Anyway, we're obviously yeah, Apple shareholders we, yeah, should- the,
1: the, 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 we can have another show as I told uh, our <laughs> our correspondent on Twitter. We can have a full show talking about Apple products and we will not be bored. I'm sure some people will be bored uh, and those people who believe in Android will be really bored. <laughs> <laughs> They really indeed. <laughs> so, like, they've already switched off. <laughs> they've already switched off. <laughs> uh, this is yeah, a great cool. chat, Owen.
0: All, Always fun, mate. Thanks for, thanks for joining me. Thanks, man.